famo. It's your boy Crippy. And today, this is the first in a few shows that I will be dropping on crypto education. It's needed. And this one today will be crypto. What is crypto? We hear about it. People are telling us to invest in this thing. What is that? What does it even mean to have crypto? Crypto is nothing new. Many of us think that it's something that's new lately, some Johnny-come-lately type thing. You hear about Bitcoin and crypto. Well, as a matter of fact, we can go some ways back, but let's, let's talk a little bit about it. You use crypto every day. We do. But we don't actually use it. But it forms a part of our everyday life and things that we interact with. Your cell phone, your computer, your email. Alright? Uh, if you conduct a banking transaction, for instance, online, your information is encrypted. At least you know that most people do and some people don't even care they just know that the bank is providing a service and it's safe well that safety is the encryption service that is how you trust your bank to not give out your information but they failed at that massively if you look back a few years we've seen that it's happened but yet still for the most part, your money is in the account when you need it. And you go look at your, your, your change or whatever you've got, your couple millions or your few hundreds, and you satisfy that it's there and you satisfy that when you make a payment, you buy something on Amazon. All of this stuff is encrypted. You email a client. That's encrypted stuff too. Everyone else doesn't get the email, but just the client does. So, you know, it authenticates people to devices just as well. Encryption does. So, encryption works. Device to device, there is encryption working there. So, this encryption is all part of cryptography, which in itself is a whole thing. Uh, and I can't get into everything with cryptography, but just saying. The first known evidence of this stuff, actually, is in ancient Egypt, if you didn't know. The hieroglyphs, those were encrypted messages. Yes, indeed, family. There is nothing new under the sun. Where did I learn about this? Um, think in some scripture into the Bible that there is nothing new under the sun and so the reason why we have the word crypto is because of the Greeks who used the word cryptos which obviously we all know the Greeks um, or the ancient Greeks the philosophers uh, that we all know about they all studied in Egypt they learned what they needed to learn there and they went and they educated there 
their nation and their people and their families. We will, we will not go down that history road, but let's just say that um, these are well-known facts and proven. So, the ancient Egyptians, they communicated using hieroglyphs. And since we don't know what their word was for that, the Greeks called it cryptos, which just means hidden, hidden messages. We're going to fast forward a bit to the Romans who also used a certain method of cryptology and it was called the Caesar Shift Cipher. Let's remember that word cipher, famo. In any case, it was a matter of shifting letters two or three places ahead or behind and then the encryptor or the person receiving the message would shift that back two or three places or forward two or three places accordingly to get the message that was delivered to them. Famo, crypto is nothing new. You know what I mean? And in the 20th century, there was an advance in what you say cryptography and mechanical means, mathematical means, electromagnetical means. And we had this man, accordingly they called him the father of crypto, Claude E. What's his name? I have his family, you know, I have my notes. So I will consult my note here. You know, a little bit of research. And it was interesting doing this research because uh, there, were, there were things that I learned myself. And that's the good thing about teaching something because you learn when you teach. My little bit of research to teach our friends and family taught me a few things that I didn't know about crypto. Amazing. So now I'm a little bit more knowledgeable and a little bit, you know, I know a little bit more. This man's name was Claude E. Shannon and he worked at Bell Labs. And so he's considered the, the godfather of crypto. But did I just mention the Egyptians? Well, they were the grandfathers and he's the godfather. And so he, has a, he had a book called A Mathematical History of Cryptography. And most people or you know, the 20th century, people in the 20th century, I'm pretty sure most of them read that book. And uh, things expanded after, after then. Now, in uh, 1973, IBM, most of us remember IBM, they formed a crypto group they did 1973 so family crypto cryptography is nothing new where they designed a block cipher remember that word cipher the Roman had their own cipher so here we have a block cipher from IBM in 1973, many centuries after the Romans had their own Caesar shift cipher. Nothing new. Nothing new under the sun, family. There is nothing new under the sun. And this block cipher that was created by IBM in 1973 by a crypto group 
it was used to protect customers' data. So guess what happened? The U.S. government used this, and it was called the Data Encryption Standard (DES) until 1997 when it cracked. Which makes me think that most of the crypto that we know today, with the advancement of computing power and technology, even AI, a lot of what we have that is encrypted today is going to be cracked in a couple years, or a few years, or many years down the line. But computing power is um, getting vast, and we have AI. And AI within itself is amazing. ChatGPT and all these other things that these things are amazing. It makes me remember the Terminator, that movie, when I think, if I remember, he said, Cybernet went live and the machine started to control the Earth. It's amazing, famo. I am a fan of sci-fi movies for a reason. It gives you a window, a view into the minds of, let's just say, the population and what people think because the director is only a small part of the knowledge base of a nation. So what he puts on the screen is something that's coming from within. And so many things that we've seen today that are in existence today came out in some type of sci-fi movie 20 years ago 30 years ago so I pay attention to sci-fi please do digital money and all that other type of stuff they've been in sci-fi movies for a long time so it's been around and it's been in the man of mind that the mind of man biting my tongue here family so what's in the mind of man usually comes out at some point it gets manifested down the road somewhere and getting back to crypto so everyone is talking about crypto oh you're into crypto yeah i'm in crypto did, did you see what happened with crypto yeah, crypto went down crypto is down crypto is just a technology family that's all it is and it's a technology that's been in existence for more than for thousands of years. As we just found out, or as we know now, the hieroglyphs were cryptography in its earliest form. So let's, let's thank the Egyptians for that. And what we use today as crypto is just knowledge that has been improved and improved and improved and improved and improved. And improved to the form that we have today. We're going to thank Mr. Claude E. Shannon for making it mathematical because he's just a part of a process. But he's not the start of this process. So he's not the father or the godfather to me. Sorry, Claude. I don't even care to read his book. I'm not interested. In any case, we were talking about IBM. And yeah, in 1973... They did some work and they had a crypto group that was a long time ago but which brings up the point that crypto is nothing new so in doing this we're going to find out what the definition of cryptocurrency is and 
I have this up on my screen, so I'm not trying to remake the wheel here, famo. Cryptocurrency, a digital currency in which transactions are verified and records maintained by a decentralized system using what? Cryptography. Rather than by a centralized authority. The whole point of this is to get rid of the middleman. That centralized authority is the middleman. We'll get to that. Decentralized cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin now provide an outlet for personal wealth that is beyond restriction and confiscation. This is still part of the, de the definition I'm reading from here, famo. As Bitcoin gains ground, more companies have started accepting the cryptocurrency. And this was the uh, cryptocurrency market. Well, Bitcoin has been gaining ground, and not only Bitcoin. There are many cryptocurrency companies out there. Not just companies, but coins, everything else. And it is, there, there are companies. So, the history of digital money is interesting. And it's, let's see, early 80s. I mean, these things go back, but we have eCash going back to the 80s, which was conceived by David, this guy named David Chaum. And it, as you know, as anonymous crypt cryptographic electronic money or electronic cash. And this was sometime in 1982, early. And this was realized through a corporation that he had called DigiCash. And it was also used as a micropayment system at a, a U.S. bank in the, in the, in the 90s, uh, 1995 to 1998, somewhere around there. Then there was eGold. Yes, FAMO. It's just not Bitcoin. People have been working at this. And eGold itself, e-gold, was the first widely used internet money. Introduced in the mid-90s, 1996, and it grew to several million US users in the US. Several, several. And it was shut down by the US government in 2008. And so we know that Bitcoin came soon after that, 2008, 2009. But who's to say that Satoshi Nakamoto was all involved in eGold, eCash, this, this person or this group, we call them the cypherpunks. This movement in itself, the cypherpunk movement, was perhaps in the mid-80s to the, the, the latter part of the 80s. And their main focus was the protection of people's privacy. Listen to this, famo. The protection of people's privacy in the digital world. original 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 thinking and there was this guy Eric Hughes he has a book called A Cypherpunk's Manifesto now I didn't know about that book being honest so it's on my to read list I should start reading it today I, I have an audible account I have a few books on there already but it's interesting and there was a book that I read some time back. Um, hmm. I might have to source that out. It's, it's long. It was written, written in the early... It's not in the 80s, though. In the 90s, mid-90s, I think. 
mid-80s. Don't quote me on that. When I find it, I will send it out there. And it mentioned digital cash, digital currency. So that was a strong movement back in the mid-80s to the late-80s. Anyway, this book. Uh, Mr. Hughes, who had his goals and intentions all set up in this book, a cypherpunks manifesto. The cypherpunks, they wish to see both encrypted and safe communications, family, in within the digital world, because this thing was growing fast within their time. Okay, it's I'm pretty sure they could not have imagined that it would have been this today, but these these people were the pioneers. In any case, they needed encrypted and safe communication in the digital world. So, and that also included anonymous transactions. You know, like, you don't need to know my business. If I'm sending $2 to somebody, why the hell do you need to know? Why do I need to go to the bank? Why do I need to go to Western Union? And I have a few things on Western Union here as well for remittances. And that, that, you know, because crypto, cryptocurrency within itself is a disruptive technology. And it gets rid of the middleman, the bank, Western Union, MoneyGram. Yeah, Western Union I've been using for many, many years. Think about this. They will charge you 50 bucks to send a couple hundred dollars, which is okay. But based on the value of the US dollar to that dollar, that 50 bucks can do so much for someone's family in a third world nation. I've, I've sent a lot of money to my parents and what, I, what, what I've paid to send, just adding it up over the years, it's a lot of money that's been stuffed into someone's pocket. They don't need that. Now, mind you, at the time, it was a service that, is, that was well worth it admittedly but now who needs to who needs to pay so much money to send money to their parents when you have XRP who will do this for fractions of the price less than Western Union that why you see the SEC is hard on XRP and it's they're just doing this to set a precedent because if they can do this with XRP then they will go after every company that is sending money in that way and fashion right so back to cypherpunks like unlike credit card transactions in in a credit card transaction both the payer and the person receiving can be identified cypherpunks will kind of like trying to envision a system where digital currency can be exchanged with without being tracked and governments don't like that they want to know who's doing what now funny thing with cash and money laundering you could launder money using cash and no one knows matter of fact there is a trail with digital currency on the blockchain so you know when they're saying that they crypto can be used for money laundering and all this other stuff it's, it's think about it family on a blockchain everything is visible every transaction is visible so it's just another thing you know what it is 
they want to keep tabs on this economy, this burgeoning economy, and I wouldn't say it's burgeoning anymore, but it's, it's growing. It's big, but still, in the in the in, in the wider scope of things, crypto is just really starting out, and dig- this digital economy because there there are so many years to come, and so you know, get into crypto. In any case, let's move on to B money, and this was another E money type thing, internet money. B money operates pretty much how Bitcoin operates today. All the users of that currency held a copy of the transaction ledger so that all payments were posted for everyone to see, potentially approve or dispute. Right? The prominent difference between B-Money and Bitcoin is that about the mid-90s, there was no decentralized way to maintain the accounts. So... The aim, or one of the aims of digital money, is to do away with time lag and operating costs for such transactions by using a ledger or distrib- distributed ledger. So we call that a blockchain, right? In a DLT system or distributed ledger um, technology, nodes, which I spoke of yesterday, the node which you know validates transactions. It's just software. Or shared ledgers they connect to form a common network to process transactions. FAMO, this this thing goes deep. You know what I mean? So Bitcoin wasn't just born um, in 2008-2009. It is a, how would I say? It is a mixture of different technologies as, as, as we've seen that have been coming back from the grandfathers of crypto, the Egyptians. Okay, Mr. Shannon of Bell Labs, we'll give you some props for putting some math into this. You get no props because the original grandfather is not the godfather. We're the Egyptians. Hieroglyphs. They used encrypted technology back then, which is why I, I um, although I'm not a Christian, there is a scripture um, that does say that there is nothing new under the sun. Nothing. If it was, if it was of old, it is today, and if it is today, it's going to be in the future. Um. Even I'm looking at clothes. Uh, what was fashionable in the '60s got out of, went out of fashion in the '70s, and somehow back in the '90s, some of these things got back into fashion. And, and, and you know, not saying that you should keep all these clothes in your closet for your grandchildren either. Throw it out. Let them spend their money on their clothes. You know what I mean? Family. Yeah. So after having all of these shows. I realized that not everyone has been into crypto like me. And some people are listening to this show and wondering, what the hell? What is he saying? You know, you have to... This is part of what it is when you say, do your own research. So this research has helped me. And by by doing this research, it's, it's helped me 
to understand a few things about crypto and this technology. I don't know everything. I'm far from it. I invest for myself and I've invested and lost. I've invested and gained. My thing is you have to do some research. You have to take the time to, inv- to, to do research in something that you are going to spend your hard-earned money on. No one wants to throw their money away. No one does. And we've all bought some stuff or some ish that didn't work out. And we've all bitten the, the bitter pill of uh, a venture that failed. Well, I wouldn't say all because some people are not as risky as that. But you can't gain if you don't take risk, you know. Um, you can gain, yes. However, you have to risk something to gain something else. So um, I'll take a risk. You know, you only live this life one time. And we're not trying to live it in a boring way. So take a risk in investment, take a risk in travel, take a risk in vacation, take a little risk and enjoy your life. Right, so we want to get on to what a remittance is. I figured that I should have, I should bring that up because crypto is a disruptive technology. And there's a reason why Mr. Gensler is fighting hard against Ripple. And we have some companies like MoneyGram and Western Union to just, you know, just these two, and there are others. And Let's, let's start it from MoneyGram. MoneyGram filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission on December 29, 2003. File number 001 of the SEC Commission, Washington, D.C. 20549, Form 10, General Form for Registration of Securities Pursuant to Section 12B or Section 12G of the Securities Exchange Act of 1934. MoneyGram International Incorporation, exact name of registrant, as specified in its charter in the state of Delaware. So, they registered with the SEC. Okay, and that, that was in the early 2000s. Gross profit for MoneyGram for 2021-2022. Listen to this, family. $619.9 million. Gross profit an increase of 20.4 million driven by top line revenue growth and higher investment revenue yes this is moneygram and western union well western union is much older so they have been in business even before the sec they were founded in 1851 as the New York and Mississippi Valley Printing Telegraph Company in Rochester, New York. Changed its name to Western Union Telegraph in 1856 after merging with other telegraph companies. I wonder if that was a merge or a hostile takeover. And they dominated American telegraph industries from 1860s to the 1980s. And so they they pioneered some technology, like telex and um, range of telegraph related services including wire money transfer so they were the first so these two are deeply entrenched deeply entrenched and when we say that crypto is a disruptive technology 
we have these crypto companies that are sending remittances. Before I even go into remittances, let's see what Western Union's annual revenue for 2021, 5.071 billion, a 4.88 increase from 2020. This is 2021, I didn't. Um, and the annual revenue for 2020 was 4.835 billion, FAMO. And the Republic, they're Republic companies. So can you tell that their shareholders are happy? And who would their shareholders be? Being that they've been in business from 18, whatever, 1851. Prominent people. People who, are, who buy stocks, who have a job, but they buy stock. And this is before cryptocurrency, uh, as we know it, was even in play. So we have Mr. So-and-so, who was a Republican or a Democrat, and in the 1920s, 30s, 40s, they bought stock in these things. And they've, they've gained. As these companies grew, they became rich. They put their grandchildren onto it. They formed businesses. They, so they are deeply entrenched. Why do you think that the SEC would go so hard after a remittance company that's into crypto? Because they have to protect these companies. They have to protect the people that are investing in those. They have to, you know... It is what it is. These big companies are fighting for their lives now because you can now use your little crypto, get your stuff on an exchange and from wallet to wallet, someone open up a wallet in, in, in the Sahara, in the middle of the Sahara using a, a, a cell phone and you can send them 0.1 Bitcoin in two seconds and it doesn't cost anything. It just costs, you, you just see it as a transaction on the blockchain this person gets their money, their Bitcoin. The only issue might be to change that Bitcoin over into cash in their country. And so that is where the governments are focusing on the on-ramp and the off-ramp because they can't stop the transaction, but they can certainly put themselves so in in between you and your money so the middleman is is fighting hard to keep his position within this system and i just have i only have two so far western union and moneygram and there are others so remittance you know we were speaking about remittances i have i've sent some third world countries depend on remittances to the point where it's it's causing their end their country to survive there's a lot of money flowing out of the US going into these other countries because immigrants support their families and this is how it's been so it's not so much that they dislike immigrants coming into the country because this country is built on the back of immigration as a matter of fact Everyone here is an immigrant. A matter of fact, everyone here is an immigrant, as I just said. Every single person. Except for the original people. So, the early Caucasian immigrants... They put hard work. They did. 
early Chinese. Let's not talk about Af Africans who were brought here under totally harsh conditions. But everyone here is. And so remittances that we were speaking about, it's a, a remittance is a non-commercial transfer of money by a foreign worker, a member of a diaspora community, or a citizen with familial ties abroad for household income in their, their home country or homeland. Money sent by immigrants competes with international aid as one of the largest financial inflows to developing countries. Imagine that, family. And it's a significant part of international capital flows, especially with regard to labor exporting countries. You know what I mean? So, FAMO, this is where we have cryptocurrency. And so, it's a disruptive technology. And that is why Satoshi Nakamoto, well, he was a cypherpunk. And they created this, this disruptive technology. And we can go into so many things, but I have many other shows to go. And this disruptive technology gets rid of the middleman. It's pair-to-pair -pair or person-to-person. And with the middleman out, it means revenue for the middleman. And when you hit the middleman in the pockets, he doesn't like it. Because he's hitting you in the pockets all the time. But, you know, I think there's something that I remember this, um, this friend of mine saying. I think he's from Grenada. He said, he said, do so, don't like so. You know? Or, and in, in, in other words, there's, there's another, well, well, do unto others as you like to be have done unto you. So the, the middleman who's doing this doesn't want this, to be, this thing to be done to him. And he's being hit in the pockets. And crypto totally circumvents the middleman. Totally. It was made that way, created that way. Cryptocurrency. I wouldn't say crypto because then we're going back into But we, you know, we're talking crypto. Totally circumvents the middleman and they're fighting for their lives. And so we, we've seen quite recently where, the, where some peer-to-peer -peer exchanges were shuttled. They're going hard of the hard after exchanges now, and they had the um, AML, KYC, know your customer, anti-money laundering, and they're saying that uh, they're making they trying to make sure that these exchanges now have, you know, money transfer, whatever. You know what I mean? Um, register with the Securities and Exchange Commission and all this other stuff. It's you know, they're fighting for their lives. Currently, these the big financial systems of, of old, they're dying like dinosaurs, and so they they have to fight. You don't blame them; they have to fight for their lives. But what's going to happen is innovation is going to eat them up, and so this is why they're definitely coming hard with central bank digital currencies because it's it's a counter to what's present currently, and it's going to definitely take over. Definitely, they're going to be moving in the IMF, our central banks, the Feds. At some point, they're just going to capitulate and move in with their CBDC. And this is another uh, another show that I'm going to bring on concerning CBDCs. And well, there are quite a few um, crypto remittance companies. And I do have a story that I, I will, um, on crypto remittances, I will read that. And it's the only one story that I have. But, you know, FAMO is just, 
that I thought it necessary to have a a show to start with crypto the definition of what is cryptocurrency where is crypto coming from because it's nothing new the technology and everything else and who the middleman and who the middleman is and who the middleman is going to get rid of or well who crypto is going to get rid of and let me read this story for most Americans, cryptocurrency is a way to invest and diversify their portfolio. From well-known CEOs like Elon Musk tweeting about his own crypto investments to the incredibly high returns on such a volatile currency, cryptocurrency is often used to grow wealth, right? Well, wrong. Well, in fact, Nigerians reported using cryptocurrency the most, followed by residents in Vietnam, the Philippines, Turkey, and Peru. Well, we've seen what's happening in Nigeria currently. They have a new a new president, but they've been forced. The E Naira was forced on these people, and no one is using it. So, so why are citizens of country? Um, yes. So why are citizens of countries in the developing world using cryptocurrency so wildly, even more so than Americans, Europeans, or the Chinese? Well, one word: remittances, which is what I was just talking about cross-border crypto remittances and overview. Ever since it was conceived, cryptocurrency has long been hailed as a solution for the underbanked population of the world. With current exchange rates being incredibly high in most parts of the world and inflation driving up the cost of basic necessities in many countries in South America, cryptocurrencies have emerged as a digital solution. This is driven in large part by high bank fees averaging 6.5 for a cross-border payment at the end of 2020 going into 21. So this is a, this story is a little bit old, but necessary for many emerging economies whose citizens and economy both depend on remittance payments from immigrants abroad. These fees become extremely costly. Imagine FAMO. Most of us know about this. What's more? Transferring money through intermediaries like banks takes time. An average international payment takes, takes two to three days to clear. This is a toll when, according to the World Bank, up to 40% of the GDP or gross domestic product of some nations is dependent on remittance inflows. Third world countries, FAMO. Even worse, these transactions are subject to security breaches. In 2017, the Central Bank of Bangladesh lost $81 million after hackers routed cash to accounts in Sri Lanka and the Philippines instead. It happens in the US too, these breaches. Needless to say, a safe, efficient and low-cost method to transfer money across borders is clearly ex extremely attractive. Cryptocurrency transactions are much faster than official currency transfer channels like SWIFT and their minimal transaction costs these systems like Western Union and MoneyGram, which we spoke about, which have dominated the remittance markets for years, allowing them to jack up transaction fees. They do. They're robbers, man. What's more, unofficial migrant workers who are unable to open bank accounts or cannot send payments due to political complications like American sanctions, 
there are many. Cryptocurrency is the only available solution. It circumvents the inflation risk inherent in transferring fiat currency and has become so popular that central banks like that of Nigeria imagine like that of Nigeria at one time paid Nigerians to choose official channels for their remittance payments instead. That is why they forced the e-Naira. They, they forced it on the Nigerians. Finally, sending remittances using cryptocurrencies is extremely secure. All transactions will stay on a public ledger while ensuring maximum security to the people or entities involved. There is minimal risk for data manipulation as well because data isn't stored in a central server but across a huge network of computers or nodes which are constantly checking and verifying if the records are accurate. FAMO. This makes hacking a lot harder as a hacker will have to breach a huge number of servers to gather information. That's why you have a node. DLT. Distributed Ledger Technology. FAMO, we just spoke about that. Now, I just said that the hacker has to have to breach a huge number of servers to get information. Continuing on with this, making this method of sending remittances the most secure, private, and verifiable system currently available, unlike SWIFT, IBAN, and others. FAMO, you've heard it here with your boy Crippy. This was the first in a few of um, educational uh, podcasts that I will be bringing out. I am glad to have done some research because it helped me to understand quite a bit that I didn't. And I I have done some research before, but doing the research and bringing bringing it out on the podcast helps to make me learn more and have you to learn some more as well. So, you know, there are a few companies before I even close the podcast. There is Shaw Remit. Um, I think Coinbase has a remittance um, with Remitly. I think they partnered with Remitly, which is a remittance company, to send um, cheap payments. There is Everex. It's a Singapore-based financial technology company. Ripple Labs, which we were talking about, is a notable company in the space with their XRP currency and RippleNet payments network. Um, You know, that's just a few. And then you have... um, the best cryptocurrencies, then you have to send remittances are stable coins. That's another show. And why CBDCs are, are going to be put in place because they're going to fight stable coins. And uh, we've seen even quite recently, um, there's a little stable, stable coin war going on with Paxos in New York and Binance USD and Circle who issues um, um, USDC. So we will get with that on another podcast. But FAMO, this is your boy Crippy. And we're saying that. I'm glad to have brought this one out. And your boy Crippy is out. <laughs> <laughs>